find it interesting at this time of the year when we have all, all these graduations going on across the nation and it's a fascination to many, many people who is being invited to be a graduation speaker at these various uh, universities, colleges, and uh, the collection usually comes from the same circles, the same arenas, um, like CEOs of big companies like Apple and Harley-Davidson. Those are two speakers this year. Singers like Bon Jovi and Naomi Judd, scientists, astronauts, scientists like Bill Nye, the science guy, he's one of the speakers this year. And authors like Salman Rushdie and novelist Mary Higgins Clark, uh, comedians like Stephen Colbert, TV anchors, Tom Brokaw this year. So actors, politicians, journalists, innovators, from entertainers to people who are truly wise ones, the rich, the famous, the successful, they're invited to give thousands of graduates their words of wisdom, their perspective on what is worth paying attention to, worth living for, how to proceed from here. So at our staff meeting this last Wednesday, I asked our staff, I said, okay, so if you were the graduation speaker, what would your message be? And I'm gonna ask you this in a moment too. If you were the graduation speaker, what would you want to say to these graduates? So we had a spectrum from deconstructing the American dream. You can guess who said that one. There are many paths to success. Money is not everything. Technology is not everything. Plan for your future. Live within your means. Stop living off your parents' coattails. So, take a moment, turn to someone near you. What one message would you want to communicate if you were the speaker at a graduation ceremony of any kind? this year, okay? Just take a moment, turn to somebody near you. What wisdom would you want to say to the graduates? What would your message be? What message would you want to say? What would your graduation message be? Okay, Janine, you have one? <laughs> All right, what kind of wisdom do we have out there? You think it's any different than what we have up here, some of these bubbles? Anything said that you loved, that you thought was great? You're being shy. Yeah, Bob? Risk much. David Brooks was a speaker. What about some of you? Didn't you have a message? Find a job you love. And then it's not a job said the retired doctor. That's great. 
Yeah, I liked, somebody quoted Stephen Colbert when he was a graduation speaker not too long ago where he said, follow your dreams, unless your dream is a stupid one. <laughs> so where do we look for meaning? And we are going to go to scripture now, and I invite you in the Bibles in your Purex to turn all the way to the back of the Bible. It's a little letter. It's called First John. It's the last chapter of this little letter. And I invite you to keep it open. It's only one small cluster of verses, verses 9 through 13. I'm actually going to read it from a different translation uh, that was written by Eugene Peterson that's called The Message, but you can still follow along in the translation you have, which is the New Revised Standard Version. So let's pray and listen to the words of wisdom that come from the biblical story. Let's pray. God, speak to us. We need to hear you, and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit and the longing of your heart to be known intimately by you, we pray that you would open us up to your word. Amen. This is the very end of a letter we've been in for the last four weeks, so listen to God's word to you, 1 John 5, verse 9. If we take human testimony at face value, how much more should we be reassured when God gives testimony as he does here, testifying concerning his Son? Whoever believes in the Son of God inwardly confirms God's testimony. Whoever refuses to believe, in effect, calls God a liar, refusing to believe God's own testimony regarding his Son. And this is the testimony, in essence. God gave us eternal life. The life is in his Son. So whoever has the Son has life. Whoever rejects the Son rejects life. My purpose in writing is simply this, that you who believe in God's Son will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life the reality, and not the illusion. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. So am I implying by my introduction and being in this passage that God is a graduation speaker? Well, that would be silly, wouldn't it? God wouldn't do that. And yet in this passage, you get the impression that John is asking us to imagine, to pretend, because you have all this human testimony, and we take it at face value, and we take it in, and yet we have God's testimony in these short verses. God and testimony are repeated seven times. And God's message is clear. It's not a philosophy to live by. It is a somebody. It is his son, mentioned seven times in these verses. The reality of life, eternal life. And this message, God's testimony, is not just for graduates at graduation. It's for all people, all the time, And this testimony is not just for the church. It is through the church. 
And we can take it to heart, literally, inside of our hearts, or we can reject it. And in this passage, John is saying, in essence, that's calling God a liar. Wow. I think, in a big way, John is giving a pep talk to the church. You, you are God's graduation speech about the meaning of life, the reality of it, and not the illusion. There is a man who would be giving a graduation speech this spring. His name is Steve Hayner, president of Columbia Theological Seminary back in Atlanta. Some of you have heard me talk about him already. He was diagnosed with cancer a little over a year ago and died this past February very rapidly. He had what many people have when they're going through Something like this, a terminal illness, he had a caring bridge online where people could be catching up with how he was doing. And his words and posts on his caring bridge are now going to be published in a book titled Joy in the Journey. And I want to read to you what he posted last November 11th. He wrote this. Facing death has a way of clarifying things. So let me tell you a few things that I've learned in the last few months. Number one, and he had four things, but I'm just going to share with you number one from this post. When Jesus is all you have, you soon discover that Jesus is all you really need. Only in Jesus will we find life with a capital L. I'm in the process of losing everything that I have known on this earth, but I will never lose what God has given me in Christ. There are so many meaningful directions in life, so many meaningful pursuits. Being an author, being a journalist, being in politics, being in business, being in technology and innovation, being a scientist, being a musician, being in theater, a counselor, a parent, a teacher. But none of these things, as meaningful and as important as they are, give us life with a capital L. It was so helpful a couple years ago when we had a summer series called Faith and Science. Many of you were able to participate in that. It was a six-week series, and it was led by uh, Bill Newsom and Bree Lincolnhoker, both of them scientists. Uh, Bill is at Stanford, has been for years working in the neuroscience department. And in this Faith and Science series, they acknowledged the excitement of being in that field and the research that is being done and that they're working on and what science can do. And science can do amazing things that help us know more about life. And the more we explore it, the more we can maximize what it can teach us. But science is there to measure and to quantify and to maximize. But there are some questions that science can never answer. Science is not meant to answer. Like, why am I here? And what is my purpose? And what should I do with my life? And should I marry that person? And should I take that path? Science is not meant to answer those questions that are answered by God. Not a philosophy, not a doctrine, but an embodied somebody 
who loves us, abides in us, lives in us, leads us, life with a capital L. One of the most important things we've been working on this past year as a church is trying to find language that can name where God is taking us in our spiritual life, to put words to that that actually are translatable here on the peninsula, here in our church, finding language that makes sense. And what we've come up with, you can't read that internal statement, but many of you have seen this, is that the goal of the spiritual life is knowing Jesus so intimately that we become like him. And this letter of 1 John really has been saying this over and over again. This is what God's testimony is. This is what God has in mind for us. God abiding in us. We abide in God. And that abiding is so powerful and so life-changing that we become loving like God is loving. We have realized that there are four different learning circles that help us get there to that goal. God's love, and in this letter we hear John talk about how God is love. How in this we know love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us, always loves us, can't stop loving us, initiates with us. Follow me, that we know love by what God has done and laying down his life for us, and so we also ought to lay down our lives for one another. Come home. Throughout the letter, little children, little children, we are all God's children. So beware of the things that cause us to stray away from that home base by sin and evil. And then show and tell, another learning circle, this life was revealed, we have seen it, we testify to it, we said at the beginning of our worship service in John 1. And then John says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfect in us. These are the essential circles of learning that take us closer and closer to God's heart, which is opened up to us completely in Jesus Christ. This amazing intimacy of God. God holds nothing back. I want you fully in my heart, and I want my heart fully alive in you. And like any intimacy, we can receive it or we can reject it. But this is a part of the conversation that I want you to know as we were working on this, is that as we worked on that spiritual goal and these four learning circles that help us get there, we were realizing that this spiritual goal is not just for Trinity. This is not just for Presbyterians. It's not just for Christians. This is God's goal for everybody, everyone. And our role as a church is to lift up to the whole world where we find meaning, where we find life with a capital L, where we find the reality and not the illusion. So many things promise life with a capital L, and they can't deliver that. So our role, don't be shy, First John is saying. Be the church. Don't lose your confidence. I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is life with a capital L. Don't hold back. So this spiritual goal is not just for us to live into, it's also for us to lift up. 
And you know why we haven't done this as a church? For so long? Because we haven't wanted to come across judgmental. As if we are better than other people. You notice that this is placed on top of a labyrinth. This is a path. It's not a maze. It's a path that twists and turns, but moves eventually into the center. And so we are all on a journey. All of us, all people, are on a journey that's held by God. And we aren't there yet. None of us is there yet. But over time, we move and we move, and hopefully more and more through these learning circles to the center. But church, we are witnesses to that center. It's not judgmental to point to the center. It's not judgmental to lift up God's testimony in his son to be forthcoming about what we are discovering about life with a capital L. My dad has a favorite saying that is known very well to my family. Um, he's a mountain man, was a mountain man, less of one now. He often took us into the backcountry and pack trips and camping trips and it seemed that no matter if, if how bad the circumstances would get and the more tough the experience got the more he would cry out this is really living <laughs> so I was asking my sisters my brother I said so what comes to mind when you remember dad saying this is really living and one of my sisters said we've gone through life with our hair standing straight up in the interest of God dad's love of adventure so if you imagine your hair standing straight up, that's when dad would say, this is really living. So there is, on my dad's side of the family, every three years, a family reunion, and there's five branches to this family, and every branch of the family is asked to come up with a t-shirt design, and everybody in that family wears that t-shirt. And we are the ones from California, and quite frankly, our t-shirt design is always what I would consider a loser compared to the ones everybody else has. But one year, we had this t-shirt design, and on it, with the mountains, it says, this is really living because that's my dad, and that's our branch of the family. And it's interesting because what my dad used to say in terms of this is really living has really shifted over the years. And when I talked to him now, and I even asked him, what would you say now about living and what is really living? You know what he talked about? The Lord. How the Lord pulls you through. It was really sweet. My dad, who has been through those learning circles and journeying and is still journeying like all of us, and shaped by the church and shaped by his weekly men's group that he's in a Bible study with, shaped by so many things, regular worship, and he's come to this place in his life where more and more what is really living with a capital L, just like Steve Hainer, is about the Lord. You know, when graduates were asked this year who they would like to have speak at their graduation ceremony, their top ten, and I only have nine, were these. Ellen DeGeneres, Barack Obama, Tina Fey, Jimmy Fallon, Oprah, Stephen Colbert, Beyonce, Will Ferrell, CEO of Tesla, Elon Musk. God's favorite graduation speaker? What do you think? It's the church. It's the church. 
We are the ones uniquely entrusted with God's testimony to proclaim with confidence that this is really living. We are a city set on a hill. We are a lamp set on a lampstand. Not because we're perfect. It has nothing to do with it because we're not. But because we've come to know God's life in the sun. And we are coming to know more and more God's life in the sun. The fullness of God given to the world intimately. God's heart opened up. And in our hearts. And this testimony is not just for Christians. It's not just for those sitting in worship. It is for the world. And so our calling is to proclaim that this is life. This is the reality of life and not the illusion. This is life with a capital L. Let's pray. God, forgive us for being more silent when you have given us the greatest news of your love for us, your freeing grace for us, your invitation always to come home, the privilege of being a part of the story of your love. Lord, forgive us for becoming, in essence, in our silence at times, people who make you a liar. We want to be your church. We want to keep walking on the path closer and closer to your heart of love for us. Lead us into the intimacy that you have for us, that it might change us and set us free to be your people, to be your powerful speakers in the world. In Christ's name we pray.